13 will be found in verses 1 through 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Welcome to Big Woods Bible Church. Matt, thank you for leading us in worship. Um, it is great to be back. Um, just to clarify, um, someone asked how I did while I was away as I was participating in a regional clogging competition. I have no idea where that came from, but just to clarify, now my interest is kind of peaked about maybe learning how to do some clogging. Uh, we were actually down south uh, with family. Think about praying for our missionaries. We were able to spend time with um, uh, Wendy's family um, who head back to Africa shortly. And to think, a little niece and nephew, little Joey is, is four years old. They'll be leaving in a couple of weeks and we won't see him again until he's about seven years old. That is a lot of sacrifice for families to make. Um, it was a delight as well. I want to thank Pastor Josh for doing an excellent job preaching last week. And for um, those who shared testimonies of praise and thanks to the Lord. It is a neat little tool. We were able to tap into Facebook uh, Live, and I was able to listen and watch. Uh, that's neat. Like, that's cool. But, um, like, if you are traveling or nigh unto death's door, you can watch that little Facebook thing. But if you're, like, if you're thinking, like, hey, let's just stay in bed today and watch that, that's like Loserville all day long, Okay. <laughs> you got to be here with one another. That's the body about being together. So let me encourage you with that. Um, we have a lot of ground to cover. Let's bow our heads. Let's commit our time to the Lord and ask for the Lord to speak to all of us through his word this morning. Let's pray. God, once again, we are grateful that you have carved out for us in your plan, in your sovereign um, plan for our lives to have this time with this text in front of us. God, I plead for your help. I'm in constant need. Please give clarity of thought in mind and speech. May you be the focus. May you alone be heard. I, I, I do love you and, and together with one voice as a local church, we want to express our, our adoration to you. We thank you, Lord, that as Isaac re reminded us, even if man tries to display his own great greatness, that your glory is, is even greater than that. Um, and we thank you for your, your power and your might, your presence with us here. May you uh, be glorified in every part of this message. I do pray, Lord, for missionaries as they are abroad. Um, please, Lord, be close to them. I think especially of those who are in difficult and hostile regions. Protect them. But use them ultimately for, your, um, for the work of your gospel. And may they be examples for us. And may we here today, right now in Lock Haven, Pennsylvania, be faithful to the work of the gospel. Give us the strength to do that, to do that well. We ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Okay, we have spent significant time actually over the last two months um, talking about the importance of our responsibility when it comes to sharing the gospel with our community. We've talked about the what. We talked about what is the gospel, um, the creation of man, the fall of man, 
the redemption, a rescue of man through the work of Jesus, what was accomplished on the cross and in the tomb. Uh, we talked about how, how do we do this? Well, how we make that connection, that's, that's you and I. We are the ones. We are the ones who are designed and created to point to the creator with a purpose. Um, who are we to connect with? Who are we to communicate to? We are surrounded. You don't have to go too far to find people that are lost and hopeless. We looked at Jesus' example of going to the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Uh, we also looked about, well, when does this happen? Like right now, it's not going to look any better. The fields are white unto harvest. We live every heartbeat, every breath. We live with a sense of urgency to get this message out. Uh, last time we were together in Acts chapter 17, we talked about, well, how do we take this conversation of the gospel? How do we, how do we connect? How do we take like everyday plain talk and, and turn it to talk that matters a thousand years from now. We talk about what the creator um, can always be seen in the culture around us. The creator always points to the redeemer. The redeemer becomes our judge. We prepare for that. Like that's what we do as a church. Now, if any one of you has ever tried to do this, anyone has ever actually tried to share the gospel, you can be assured, I think we can all agree, what, this, like this is hard. This is very, very hard. Therefore, I want to conclude our series this morning, our time together on this subject, answering some thoughts directed from the word of God that will help us understand questions like why, like why is sharing the gospel so hard for us? Uh, wh- wh- why don't we share the gospel more often? Why do we struggle so much with this whole subject and topic of evangelism? Why is this so hard? I think it boils down, I have to agree with um, uh, Michael Lawrence in his little book, Conversion. He basically says there's two reasons of why this is so hard for us. The number one is fear. If you and I are actually afraid, many Christians today who go to church every week are, are afraid of what? Of being ridiculed or mocked in some way or perhaps even worse, being rejected. And you and I, we can't handle We hate rejection. Another reason Lawrence talks about is the fact, what? That we are discouraged by it. There is discouragement. The fact that we look around us, the entire community, the world is filled with people that are lost and dying, and we get discouraged that what? That more people do not respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And because of those two things, I think we're like a deer in the headlights. It freezes us. paralyzes us so that we just like, we don't know what to do. Let's do, do nothing. I think it's very easy for us to confuse who is responsible for evangelism and who is responsible for the fruit of evangelism. That's really what we're going to talk about today. Who is responsible for evangelism? Okay. That's us. Like one guy raised his hand. Who's responsible for evangelism? We are. Who's responsible for the fruit of evangelism? That is God above. We're going to see this in our text. Let me direct your attention to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. 
But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Now there's really one big idea to chapter 1 excuse me, to chapter four. We see it worded in verse one. We didn't read it, but it's also, it's also repeated in verse 16. The theme is this, do not lose heart. Yo, King James translates it like this. We faint not. The New Living Translation, okay translation. Helpful here, it says we never give up. So, so think about this. No doubt there are plenty reasons for discouragement, especially in the Apostle Paul's case. It was hard for him, but he did not quit. My dad was old school. Okay, I was raised with what? Uh, quitting is simply not an option. Like, it's not a choice. Remember when I signed up to do, it's referred to as a century, a 100-mile bike ride for some fundraiser. I thought it was a great idea to support our kids' school. I had a buddy, and we trained, and we, we rode at, like, up and down hills, and, like, I ate dried cranberries and stuff like that. And I rode with my buddy that day, and, and like, mile 45, I started with the ibuprofen, and by mile 75, there's more ibuprofen, and I'm aching, I'm hurting. At mile 93, my buddy says, I'm done. Excuse me? Yeah, I'm done. I'm out. And he, like, bikes off. Like, the opposite. Not <laughs> mile 93, like, drag my bloody corpse the last seven miles. I'm not going to give up. Think about things that we are reminded to do on a regular basis. How about us men? Husbands, love your wife. Christ loved the church. Is that, is that something that we just don't give up? Like it gets tiring at times. We know that. Our, our, our attempts at feeble at, at best And yet we are never to give up. I was driving my wife's car this past um, Friday, and it had been dirty from a trip to the airport. And so I thought, I'm going to run it through the car wash for Howard, score some points, and come home with it shiny. And of course, I bumped into Jay there, rolled my window down, was chatting to him before. And, and, And as I was going in, I was excited. There was this new soap, this new foam. It's like a purple foam, and it smells really good. It's like a fruity, like a grape scent. 
And as I'm getting the car, I'm like, wow, this really smells good. This really smells strong. I thought, that's kind of odd. And, and then after the, the, the soaking and the soaping, it began the rinse process. And I noticed the back of my head was kind of wet a little bit. And I turned around. And I had rolled both the back windows down when I was talking to my brother. <laughs> Honey, just thought I'd wash your car for you. Because I love you. She still loves me. You know, there's this idea, like, this is going to get hard. And and there's going to be times, like, you know what, I just want to, like, give up. It was tough for Paul. Charles Swindoll, in his bio, his biography of Paul, I love the title. He refers to Paul as a man of grace and grit. Grit. How's that translate today? What? It's, It's really not, there's not, like, a Greek word for this. Paul had guts guts, something deep within that says, you know what? I know it's going to be hard, but I'm not going to back away. That's what we as a church are called to do and, and who we are called to be. Let me give you four points very quickly this morning. The first one is this. Sharing the gospel is to be considered a blessing and a privilege. I don't think we always think of it as a blessing and a privilege. Sharing the gospel is to be considered a blessing and a privilege. Look what Paul writes. He says, what? Having this ministry by the mercy of God. Paul, in a sense, is recognizing his position and his place of apostleship. In office that no longer exists, I believe, today, but certainly some of the areas of responsibility do. He was to share the gospel as we are called to share the gospel. And he literally sees this as, as I think we should see it. It is a gift given, what, as an act of divine, God-given mercy. Think about Paul he had initially, his, his original goal in life was to wreck the church, was to ruin the work of God. Like the atheist who built the towers said, I got an idea to display man's greatness. And God's glory will always be revealed. Paul, in a sense, deserved, when he met Jesus, he deserved, as we do, he deserved God's wrath. And yet he was Gifted. He was called to be a communicator of the gospel. He was called to be what you and I are called to be, what we're called to do today. We are called to dispense grace. Realize that? This is like, this is one of the greatest privileges that could ever be given to us. This is not giving like ice to a guy who lives in Iceland like kind of unneeded, okay, unnecessary. Here's a bag of sand for you who, who live in the desert. Like, like that's not what we're talking about here. Do we understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is heir to a person who is suffocating, drowning? It's heir. You realize that? You realize that the gospel of Jesus Christ is 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 food to the person that is literally starving to death. It's water to the person that is dying of thirst. How, how much effort? It's it's hard to even imagine this in our like just posh comfort culture. 
But if somehow you were to bump into someone who, who was starving, like literally they needed, like if they weren't going to get food, they weren't going to make it, how much effort would you go through? I think you're probably going to take a, 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 a trip around a drive through somewhere pretty fast. You, you would go to great efforts and you'd do it quickly. You realize in a sense that as I heard it this week, I was listening to a guy locally preach great message. He said that you never graduate from the gospel. And I love that. It's not like, yeah, I got that message. Okay, cool. Let's move on. No, 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 no. Everything rises and falls on the message of the gospel. Knowing that someone cared enough to step up and someone cared enough to step in to pay the price for my sin so that we who cannot pay for that sin can be rescued and given life life more abundantly. The greatest story ever told. It's necessary for life. Let me tell you this. Don't ever, ever, ever give up on the privilege that is given to us. Be communicators of the gospel to be people who dispense God's grace. Secondly, sharing the gospel is to be done with honesty and humility. Paul says that we have renounced, the word means to reject. We have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. There's no tricks here. Um, We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. No doubt that Paul, in some of the challenges of his ministry, some of the things that he faced, okay, some pressure, we would say that he was put through the ringer, I'm sure at some point that that fleeting, perhaps even briefly through his mind was this thought, you know, if I were to soften this message a little bit, maybe they'll stop throwing rocks at me. You think it ever occurred to him? You know, if I would just kind of ease off on the whole, like, sin part, and yet he never does it, he never backs away. He does not and refuses to tamper with God's word. I heard a man who pastors one of the largest churches in our entire country. And he was preaching a message and he says this. He goes, I, I, don't, I don't use the S word around here. The S word, like, like sin. We don't use the word sin. We just, we, we just don't want to talk about things like that and judgment and hell. But wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. How do you get to a savior Unless there's what something that you need to be saved from. There's this idea that, that says, what? We've got to what? You're not going to soften it. You're not going to dangle something in, in front of someone so that they will respond to your like prettied up false message. You get false converts. I don't know if you heard we got a new member of um, our church this week. Kind of a new member. Um, Pastor Cheyenne, a uh, pastor, excuse me, Pastor Stewart and his wife Cheyenne um, got a little puppy, got, got um, a little 35-pound uh, black Newfoundland puppy. Uh, his name is Loki. And Loki came to visit me this week in, in my office because I have to meet the new, new ones, that big ones. And, you know... Young couples, they have no idea this dog's going to completely destroy their life. <laughs> but I thought about the ideas as like little, little puppy, little, basically all you got to do, okay, you just keep like a little puppy treat for the puppy and, and he will love you forever. 
right? Just, just keep feeding him, love him, give him a puppy tree, and that's all it takes. And he responds. In a sense, I think people in Paul's day, just like people today, are doing exactly the same thing. They're like, kind of like, let's just pretty up the gospel. Let's soften up and let's just dangle the dog treat in front of people so that they respond the way that we want them to respond, like little Loki's going to. Right? That's the idea. That's tampering. Let's just focus on the blessings of God. There are many blessings. Let's just focus on God's love. We don't have to go to God's justice or God's wrath. Let's just focus on all the amazing gifts he's just going to lavish. Well, that's tampering with the word of God unless we have all truth. Later, Paul writes to young Timothy in 2 Timothy um, chapter 4, he says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled or their ears scratched. They will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires, and they will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. Isn't that exactly what's happening? Thus the temptation to like, let's soften this a little bit. We cannot emphasize, and we will not ever proclaim the full weight of the gospel of Jesus Christ in any cunning or treat-giving way. Ephesians 4 says, we speak the truth in love. Yes, we give great thought to how it's presented. And I find that when we hold on to the full weight of the gospel, it creates a sense of boldness and confidence. Paul says, I'm I'm not ashamed of this gospel. We are not to be ashamed of this gospel. Shane Eidelman, pastor and author of a book, Answers for the Confused Church, I was reading this week, no intention um, given Answers for a confused church. Times change, truth does not. He says this, and I quote, Where are the Tyndales and the Husses who were burned at the stake for simply declaring the truth? Where where are the Luthers who, when asked to recant or face possible execution, said, Here I stand, I can do no other. Where are the John Calvins who shaped the religious thoughts of a Western culture? Where are the John Knoxes who cried, give me Scotland for the cause of Christ or I die? Where are the Whitfields who shook continents? Where are the Spurgeons who spoke with such authority that his sermons are read more today than ever before? Where are the D.L. Moody's who brought America to her knees? Where are the Evan Roberts who joined the Welsh revivals of 1904 and 5 preached so powerfully against sin that people cried out to truly know God. Where, where are those type of bold truth-tellers today? That's what we need to be. The full weight of the gospel brings boldness and confidence. Thirdly, sharing the gospel is to know that Satan has blinded the eyes of many. We need to know this. It says what the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel. Now, what we need to know, we need to know this, that when the gospel is presented, even with boldness, when the gospel is presented, even with clarity and, 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 and conviction that some people, and let me make it very clear, many people, will not respond to your message of hope. Many people will not respond. Let me tell you this. Do not get 
angry with them. Don't get angry. Don't, don't ever give up. Don't ever get frustrated. Why? Because we need to understand truth. It says what? The God, lowercase g. What? The little God of this world, Satan, who, who seeks to rule and to wreck. But he never will. He never will. It says what? He has blinded the eyes. Blinded. The word is to flow. It literally means to make, to not understand. I want you to think of, of the word being veiled. You ever, you ever been blindfolded before? You know, like little kid, you play those like tormenting games. Let's blindfold you. We're going to spin you around like 27 times. You have no idea. We're going to laugh at you. But you, you, your, your eyes work. You can see. But something is blocking your vision. You've been blindfolded. That is exactly what Satan does, and he does it through what? How, how is it worded in John chapter 8, verse 44? Through lies. His tactic is constant and everyday lies. All day, that's all he does. There is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. It was interesting that Matt did a great job today in Sunday school that we, we can begin to believe the whispers of those lies. That's why we need to know the truth. That's why we need to have faith. We're engaged in spiritual battle. I will, I will admit to you, in my, particularly in my early years of ministry, I really, really struggled with this whole idea of people being blinded to the truth. And I, I couldn't. People would call, they would, they would ask, they would inquire, I need help. Like my life, it, they, they, they dressed up pretty on the outside, successful, educated, marriage is a complete wreck. Home is a wreck, kids are disastrous. And they come and they're asking for help. That's the reason why I'm going to give them all gospel. And you do it like you do it well. You got the little napkin and you're drawing the little, little cliff and the little bridge of the cross in the middle. And it's like perfect. You buy their coffee for them. Everything's in place. Nothing. Nothing. No response. No response. Their life is still a wreck. They want nothing to do with the gospel. Like how, how does this work? Or other settings I've been in. I've been in jail cells talking with people. I've talked to addicts. Obviously, the present plan for their life is not going real well. This is like nobody plans for this. Like, your idea stinks. I'll offer you something else. Draw the little cliff, little cross, everything's there. Present the full way. Nothing. Like, why? They're blinded by it. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. That's the world that we live in. However, there is always, always hope. There's always a solution. You and I cannot solve the problem. Just like like Paul telling of his conversion. You go to uh, Acts chapter 9 and Acts chapter 26. Both references where Paul's telling of his conversion where he had a goal in life. He was riding towards Damascus, okay? He was, he, was, he was taunting and torturing. That was his goal. 
spiritually completely blinded, okay? What's interesting is that through a miraculous intervention, he meets Jesus. And Jesus opens his eyes spiritually, but then what does he do? He blinds him physically for a period of time. He, he literally, he, he cannot see. He, he, was, he was faced with the brightness, with the illuminating glory of the one true God. And even in his physical blindness for that period of time, he saw more than he had ever seen in his entire life, and it became flooding. Who, who, who did the work here? Who, who, who's, who's the one responsible for evangelism and who's the one that's responsible for the fruits of evangelism? So much so that later on in Acts chapter 26, God says to Paul, I am sending you. I'm sending you. Just like every single one of us, if you have had your eyes opened to the fact that you and I are sinners at best, but we have a better savior that God is sending us. We rest and we conclude with the truth what sharing the gospel is to trust that God has the power to open the eyes of the blind. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The, 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 the Apostle Paul knows that the one that, that gets past blindness is not going to be as a result of him softening or changing or altering the message. It's not going to through, be through a, a different message. It's not going to get false converts by dangling a false gospel in front of them. It's not what we're looking for. Paul comes to the conclusion that you and I need to come to every single time we open our mouth to share. And we should be doing that. What? That God does the work. That his word, this word, is sufficient. Um, Always great to travel. Better to be home, in all honesty. I love coming. And and every day, driving to the office this week, just beautiful. It's clear and cold. There's There's a frost. You watch the sun come up over the ridge. I was driving to the office on Thursday morning and I was literally struck. The sun, it's cold, but there's a warmth to the sun. It was on the left side. And as I slowed down, I looked and it was just beautiful. It was like beautiful. God just painted the sky. And, and, and I thought about this. The beauty and the glory of the sun is so much that I can't even look at it. And, and I try. You ever tried staring at the sun? Don't do that like real long. It's too much for you. And yet the idea is this, is that sun, and remember what, came into existence by the spoken word of God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the first things he says is what? Let there be light. Now what? Now we, we know that the more authority that we have equals the more power that we have. And we hear people, supposedly, they're in authority. They have power. Washington, D.C., and they campaign. They give promises all the time. How much power really do they have to make anything like come to fruition? You and I perhaps have been positioned in a way that we have authority, and yet strip it all down. We're just really excited if our kids listen to us. 
and do what we say. That's really how much authority we have. And yet God spoke, spoke that into existence. Do you realize that that same spoken word is what we have now in his written word? The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ that we are called and commissioned to speak it, to let light shine out of darkness, such responsibility and such privilege. Think about this. The same God who created physical light with a spoken word makes spiritual light to shine in the darkness of unbelief. It demonstrates what? That power belongs to God and not to us. Just be faithful. Just be faithful to the task. It began with this whole confusion that we have, what, between the responsibility of evangelism, who's responsible for evangelism, and who's responsible for the fruit of evangelism. Let me close with this. Number one, rejoice. Sing loud and sing long. Rejoice that you and I have been given a privilege to share in the work of the gospel, to be ones who, who, who are allowed to dispense grace. Secondly, do not quit. Don't ever give up. Keep washing your wife's car with the windows down because you are committed to love her. Just like you are committed to the work of the gospel. Nothing will deter you from that. Do not quit regardless of the fact that there is little or at times no response. Thirdly and finally, trust God that he will accomplish every single part of his perfect will. His work will be accomplished. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Father, we love you, and we thank you that you speak to us through your word today and that you have full authority. And we submit us our, ourselves to your authority, and we ask that you, through the power of your spirit, would give to us um, the ability to obey and to be faithful. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.